So this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. I did it. I did it. Welcome to Feature Creep, colon. Built-in microwave, semicolon. The nut job. The nut the job. Nut job. <laughs> oh, no, we had a better title, didn't we? It's, yes, the title is... I made a really good title. I just yeah. don't remember it. The title is Dr. Nut, the nut job, and the nut yeah. case. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, welcome to Feature Creep. And uh, today we have uh, our one of our favorite co-hosts, Lauren, and one of our other favorite Hello. co-hosts, Meg. Hello. And then one of our other favorite co-hosts, me. Oh, wait, Ned. 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 Um, Ned. And we're going to talk about uh, the nut job. We're going to talk about a man named David Nutt, who was a, uh, who is, continues to be, he's uh, 70 according to Wikipedia. Uh, David Nutt, uh, David John Nutt, born April 1951. English neuropsychopharmacologist. That is a lovely that is mouthful. That is such a... Bitchin' title. It is. It is. I was going to say, it is a really good title. Yeah. So, good. so not all science it has equally good, like, not all science titles are created the same. That's like true. Right? Really yes. Is. And I was going to say, I was going to preface this with, you may be wondering uh, what this topic has to do with art and design. Well, I will tell you, um, if you think that drugs don't have anything to do with art or design, um, <laughs> then this podcast is for you. Right. You will learn some interesting <laughs> things. And, uh, yeah, and I I was going to be like, not that we advocate drug use, but um, <clears throat> I think what we're going to say is good luck. Figure it out for yourself. Not my business. Right. You do you. Um, <laughs> you do you. Yeah. Uh, you do you. Yeah, yep. you do you. Um, anyway, I love... I love when you actually like start to learn about drugs a little bit. Like what, what was like when I was growing up was taught as this like hard line of like... On this mm-hmm. line, everything's good. On this line, it's all dangerous, bad drugs, and your life is going to suck yes. and you're going to die. And then as you get older, you're like, man, that gray area is just gray all the way down. Like caffeine is real bad for some people. Alcohol is really bad for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the most the most common and accessible ones yeah. that have become just like totally like wallpaper in the background of our mm-hmm. lived experience yeah it's just like the most destructive and insidious ones i mean i know you guys really don't like it when we stray from the stated and defined there are topic, strict rules <laughs> very strict rules yeah. so you know look the other way while i break our strict rules i'm gonna rules, plug my but, ears la 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 oh, sorry. <laughs> it does really remind me about so many things in school i've been listening to these podcasts from uh teaching tolerance which is a project of the Southern Poverty Law Center. And so they're really aimed at teachers. Yeah. But it's all, uh, you know, basically history stuff you didn't learn. <laughs> yes, right. So it's either, it's either you know, they have their series on uh, queer America, which is like queer history yeah. that you never learned. They have teaching, um, teaching hard topics, which is all on slavery. First, um, 
uh, you know, American chattel slavery of uh, kidnapped and enslaved Africans. But then season two, they go into what's sometimes called the other slavery, which is the slavery of indigenous peoples on this continent. Yeah. And, you know, and then they also have a um, uh, digital literacy. And so it's like, it's oh, like, oh, right. like everything we learned in school, then you get up, grow up and you're like, oh, wait, all those smiling Indians on all those Thanksgiving worksheets that wasn't true. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Whatever. Like, yeah. When I first, when I first read about um, chattel slavery and just any, any of the actual history of slavery, I was just like, holy shit. Like I had the picture I got growing up in school yeah. was like, it's already atrocious, right? You're just like, these people are like, they have no rights. They can't do any, they're not free to move about their own bodies, like all these things. And then the you start. Families can be like split up at, I mean, any yeah. moment. And that's you just the stuff you're learning family? about in the sort of whitewashed version. Like, it's, right. you know, and I mean, I grew up in California school, so I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but um, you know, this was like the early eighties, but holy shit when i start reading when i started reading about chattel slavery and the basically it's like they are cattle was treated nicer than some of these people or one of the things that was pointed out in one of the ep uh, episodes was like there's some very common pictures that you find in in history books or many people have seen that show like a line like a, a drawing of mm -hmm. like the the way that um kidnapped uh, Africans would be put in the hold of a ship. Mm -hmm. And some of the most common ones that people have seen are actually from like a reform movement. This was the the drawing of the more humane way right. yes. to pack enslaved people in. And it's like, what the F? Like that's super messed up. Yeah. The thing you're using to show us how bad this is is actually from the reform movement. Like really think about that. Right. Someone's like, like that oh, just this adds is extra layers awful. to yeah. this. Oh. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It really is. It is. Yeah. But, or, you know, I mean, so they have lots of, I don't mean to take us off, totally off topic, no, no, no. but yeah. it just feels very similar of like, you're told these things that like, oh, well, slavery was only in the Southern US. And it's like, nope, it wasn't. <laughs> it was everywhere in various ways. Like, you know, even if, if it uh, was no longer being practiced in an area, it doesn't mean their entire economic system wasn't like heavily intertwined with it. Or, you know, even if technically uh, California joined the union as a, what was it, a free land state? Or I don't know if you, you might know better than I, the language around. Oh, uh, mm, I did take California history, but I forget. Um, I'm, I think it's something like free land state or something. Yeah, that this they, is where Damon would be. Damon has such a good head for those things. Like he's like, oh, you oh, mean yeah. the... You mean the whatever? Yeah, I'm terrible for that. Um, uh, Me also. I have no idea. My understanding is that California has some degree of pride of like, oh, well, we never had slavery. Oh, mm. sure. Right. Yes. Because we're. Like, yeah, <laughs> but you had missions. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we didn't. You had the, the horrifying uh, uh, bounty system where, right. where the government literally paid you cash money to murder to murder indian americans yeah yeah i yeah. awful i wonder if they're um i i'm kind of to my great dismay i am not actually aware of what um what in other countries i've heard of as like first nation people um yeah. i believe that some people would refer to indian americans or native americans as um as first nation people but i have never heard them refer that 
refer themselves refer to themselves that way. In fact, the only thing I've ever heard actual Native Americans refer to themselves as is actually Indian Americans. Like they're perfectly. That's kind of my understanding. Um, I think. I mean, I think there is no. I think the very concept that there would be one word. Well, yeah, that and that's would also explain the experience of all the indigenous people is of, not is wrong, right? Continent. Like that's just missing right. the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like currently, there's over 500 nations in in what is now the U.S. Yeah, and of course, you know, those are after you know surviving numerous attempted genocides. Mm-hmm. So, like, clearly, there used to be many more people, and so, like, there's yeah, exactly. There's not a way that one word is going to explain the experience of all of those people, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times it depends on the context too. So, like, if you're like ideally, if I was talking about the experience of um, nations in California, like it, it seems like it would be most appropriate if I just named them because, like, those are the nations that experienced the mission states right. of California. Mm-hmm. I don't currently know those names, um, but like, I feel like that would be the most respectful. Sure, and yeah. Yeah. you know, so then, and then if I'm referring to like my friend who, when I talk to them, I know that they grew up calling themselves Indian, and that's how their identity is, and so like. I would refer to, you know, my friend who identifies as Indian. Mm-hmm. But then if I was talking about U.S. policy, I probably would say Native Americans because that's how that is written, you know, maybe in the law or the policy. Yeah. So it feels very contextual. Who sure. are you talking yeah. about? How do they identify? Right. And like, are you trying to and then also maybe just naming the thing? Like if I'm going to say indigenous people, I could say indigenous people. And I use that term to you know highlight the shared experience of the people that were first on this land and their shared experience with colonialism and if that's my point then that feels more appropriate right right i don't know yeah i get you yeah um i mean at this point like my brain's like yeah we should talk about identity but um i think what (laughs) we identity is my bag but yeah uh, that's not what we're here to talk about no we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about david rules (laughs) rules. we're talking about dr nut um, Dr. Nut. I love that last name so much that I am adding it to my list of potential last names I would like to change my name to. Um, uh, you should just, Ned has, or sorry, I'm looking at Ned, but Meg yeah. uh, has that superpower of being able to create fake names yeah. out of nowhere, like randomly. But, and I feel like we should put your list of names you'd be willing to have, yeah. like in a head to head challenge with, well, with my, Meg's made up names. My list of names is very short. Um, oh, it's now okay. been expanded from one to two. Uh, <laughs> okay. But Ned Nut is amazing, I think. Ned Nut is very good. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd thought about. You have to, oh, go ahead. What? I was going to say, would you have to change your middle name too? Uh, mm, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm really. To another, for like. Ned like to really fully like uh, fully alliterate um yeah like a Nathan or Nathaniel or um why is that the only a name uh Nick yeah I know that's why I was like Norice Norice just take a different name and changed it it to an N (laughs) Noscar Noscar for one year Nose for one year for my birthday um we had we like there was a friend of mine she made these bags and um and then we were like writing on them and she was like, well, what are we going to put? And we were trying to think it was like Ned's birthday party. But then <laughs> we were like really into alliteration at the time. So it became Ned's birthday nardy. 
And it's just like, it's great. I don't see any problem with this. Um, no problem. Yeah. Ned Nut. Ned Nut. Ned Nuts, Nerth Day. Ned, Ned Nuts, Nerth Day Nardy. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, it just rolls off the tongue. What are you willing to share with us the other name on your list? Oh, or do you need uh, to save that I was gonna I, when you have to uh, move since away I'm and join since them. I'm fairly estranged from my family at this point, I had thought about changing it to strange. Ah. So like Ned, Ned strange. strange, yeah. Ned Strange is very good, but then people will think you're a superhero. Yeah. Oh, that does sound like a superhero name. I mean, I, I'm okay with that. I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm okay with I, that. That's a lot of expectation. To I, I like, I, I love to disappoint people. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good to have hobbies. We yeah. got you your favorite thing for your birthday. Disappointment. Disappointment. So how far did you, I had to run and do some stuff. How far did you get on the in Take a wild Nut. guess. Yeah. Excellent. We got, I didn't miss we got, we got as far as uh, the last name of Nut being a great name. And so now I've added it to my list of possible last names. I might change my last name to. Ned Nut. Ned, Ned Nut. Nut. Yep. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. Um, so uh, Middle name Naked. Ned Naked Nut. Ned Naked Nut. <laughs> or just like um, Nakey. Nakey, Ned Nakey, not mm-hmm. Needlelender, <laughs> Ned Needlelender, nut. <gasps> Ned Needlelender, what? Oh, your your phone is ringing. Oh, um, actually, my oh. alarm to go to bed. Oh. Go to bed. It says Snap time. Go to bed. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I've been yeah. doing classes that start very early in the morning. Yeah. Although, why we make teenagers get up Laura, early? I don't know. Yeah. Well, right. But you're doing the important God's work. work. <laughs> right. Listen, and that's listen. I feel like we've really gotten off track here. And anyone who's made okay. it this far, I mean, if you're still listening, let's get to it. This is the moment you've all been waiting for. Right here's the Why do deal. You on the show? I'm here. I'm here, and I I'm the one who organized Lauren, the notes. Wait, so. Lauren, did you just take on the responsibility of having derailed the conversation? Like somehow, somehow, because you're here, it's derailed. Had you not uh-huh. been here, Meg and I, man, like a like a laser, just on topic the whole time, like hyper focused. Yeah, yeah. Point so, A, point B, done. Yeah. If you are listening now. Believe me, you will be very disappointed if you think that other podcast episodes that we've done you know will be as uh, w- will be more organized. I have a, a great idea. You know what you guys could do when what? I'm not around yes. to yeah. take you off track. You could probably because you guys are so laser focused. You could probably just do those things in like like a really efficient time frame. Uh-huh. So you could you could maybe advertise those as like your shorts or something. Oh. Because like, I bet they would only take like 15 minutes if there's only the two of you. Right. I do prefer shorts <laughs> right. to pants. So I, I like this idea. Shorts over pants. Yep. So No, um, not over the pants, just no pants. I really, no pants. I feel like you guys aren't understanding me here. Sorry. <laughs> let me explain let me, to you some Let more. me explain something to you. Um, so, um, so the, this... <clears throat> <laughs> done now i'm done i got a twofer on um, that one i got the shorts and then over the pants uh I, my day is made <clears throat> so yeah this the subject of today's podcast was lauren's idea and when she told me about dr nut yes. the nut job and the nut case i was like this sounds l- like a very funny sort of like caper story yes but yeah. it's not i mean it's a caper but it's a drug caper but it's not that funny right it's a government caper, the least funny kind <laughs> yeah, of caper. The least right. funny kind of caper ever. The most National boring and bureaucratically. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the reason that um, we want to talk about Dr. Nutt is because he 
has like he he's kind of like the poster child for data and science and evidence based um arguments right. about things about drugs specifically and people's use of them and what they're good for and who they're good for and and even how they work like, <clears throat> and even how yeah, they work. really looking into like just the straight up science yeah. yeah so um there's this really cool interview uh on youtube with dr nut and nut is spelled n-u-t-t mm-hmm. um and they they talk to him about like about just all kinds of things drugs his research etc um drug science originally called the independent scientific committee on drugs is a uk based <clears throat> uk based drugs advisory committee proposed and initially funded by hedge fund manager toby jackson it is chaired by professor david nutt and was originally launched on the 15th of january 2010 with the help of the center for crime and justice studies that should tip you off that this is not going to go well right <laughs> um the primary aim of the committee is to review and investigate the scientific evidence of drug harms without the political interference that could result from government affiliation why why would you need that meg well in 1975, Dr. Nutt became a doctor, and he was a clinical scientist at the Radcliffe Infirmary until 1982. So from 1978 until 1982, he researched the function of benzodiazepine receptor and GABA or GABA ionophore complex. And an ionophore and like O4s, O-P-H-O-R-E's are like this, uh, and O-dromes. O-D-R-O-M-E-S are like, I think they refer to like your organism, like the, the stuff going on in you as an organism. Um, and so they researched the long-term effects of BZ or uh, benzodiazepine agonist treatment and kindling with BZ partial inverse agonists. And so <clears throat> they worked on um, drugs that uh, respond to and like hook up with and uh, like... Um, Connect with the receptors, act on the receptors for benzodiazepine GABA. Um, And so he... Which is a neurotransmitter, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, GABA is a neurotransmitter and it makes you feel calm and like chilled out. Um, When you drink alcohol, your GABA Mm -hmm. skyrockets at first before you get like really depressed and then it starts to turn south. And so like there's a fancy Japanese rice cooker that has a special setting to activate the GABA in rice. Whoa. I know. That's really fancy. So um, like so he's doing all this research until 1982 and he publishes this groundbreaking paper in Nature on the concept of inverse agonism. So uh, his his coined he coined a term for this called contragonism. Um, and Great term. See, yeah. not all science naming is equal. Contragonism. Very good. That's a good, That's a good yeah. one. So from 83 to 85, he lectured in psychiatry at University of Oxford. Very swanky. Um, in 86, he was the Fogarty Visiting Scientist at the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism in Bethesda, Maine, outside Washington, D.C. In 88, he joined the University of Bristol as director of the Psychopharmacology Unit. In uh, 2007, he published a controversial study on the harms of drug use in The Lancet. So... It, just to recap, became a doctor in 75, did a ton of amazing high-end shit until 1988 and joined Bristol and then worked with them for like a decade and or like a bunch of decades, three, 30 years. And then in 2007, he got dismissed from his position in the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs um, and a number of his colleagues who subsequently resigned 
and he founded the Independent Scientific Committee on Drugs. So what happened is that he published all of this work um, and kind of like used actual data to demonstrate and convey and represent and show and other people what the actual measurable harms of drug use are and which drugs are harmful in which ways to individuals and to society. And his... um, his results were basically the opposite of like what the tobacco drug, uh, like tobacco and pharmaceutical and alcohol lobbies want people to think. And so um, he was fired and a bunch of people, like I said, resigned with him because they were like, well, this is fucking bullshit. And they made their own committee, the Independent Scientific Committee on Drugs. And then they later, they later renamed it Drug Science. So Drug Science is what it's called now. And that's kind of where I started out with a, a discussion of drug science. So in 2009, uh, this amazing doctor established the Department of Neuropsychopharmacology and Molecular Imaging at Imperial College. And then in 2009, he also published in the Journal of Psychopharmacology an editorial. Uh, um, and he talked about the implications for the current debate on drug harms. So, like, <clears throat> this was his, like, famous thing that got everybody riled up. He talked about how... People do like risky things all the time and taking ecstasy is way less risky than horse riding, but people ride horses all the time and nobody's advocating that you are a moral failure if you're a horseback rider. Mm-hmm. Um, so or how about riding in cars? Or riding in cars, which is like ridiculously risky. Mm-hmm. Every time I ride in a car, I'm like, this could be it. Mm-hmm. Like every fucking time. So planes, <clears throat> planes, way safer than cars, way safer. So um, he he like he sort of ed, um, invented this uh, like hypothetical drug called equacy. Oh, yes. oh yeah, I quite liked this equacy. And it's a portmanteau of ecstasy and equestrianism. Nice. And he he's trying to his intention, as he says, was to, quote, get people to understand that drug harm can be equal to harms in other parts of life. And so he sort of like gave this like, oh, you know, this a hypothetical thought experiment example, like, oh, pretend there's this equity drug and it's like this and that. And it's uh, you can take it and it's less risky than doing this or the other thing. And um, the harms associated with it are this. And therefore, it's not as bad as some other things that you probably already do in your everyday life. And people were like fucking outraged by it. Like, how dare you? And um, in February 2009, he was criticized by Home Secretary Jackie Smith for stating in the paper that the drug ecstasy was statistically no more dangerous than an addiction to horse riding, which is basically kind of like an oversimplification, but not wrong. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> and so... Um, and this is in the UK press, just, yes, just to be clear. Right. In the United Kingdom. So... Um, I, I can imagine um, like how these things like play out like in an argument like someone was like someone would be like well yeah but i mean that's just like maybe taking it one time or whatever and like the de- devil's in the details and it's like yeah so is so is so it is with horse riding right right like did right. you ride once or are you an avid like horse racer who is risking their life like every day or you know are you a barrel racer yeah are you barrel a barrel racer yeah or like you know are risky. you yeah so yeah. 
you know, it's yeah, super dangerous. It's the like, object to stay on that horse as long as possible before you're tossed to the ground and possibly trampled alive. Oh God! Like yeah. you know what? That's way more dangerous than taking MDMA. <laughs> right. So you know, again, <laughs> there's a. Uh, it is. It's a good analogy. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Yeah, I thought it was really great too, and yeah. I, I think like I think what also um, probably irritated people when he made these really clear comparisons that are like uh, like there's nothing debatable about them they're just fat right. they're just numbers yeah um you know this is all quantifiable and qualifiable i'm sure what also pissed people off is his like uh, equestrianism is a, a pretty loaded sport with like oh yeah cl- classism mm-hmm. and all sorts of stuff so i'm sure like he picked a sport of people who would be offended by any uh, comparison of their sport to something yeah. as low and gutter <laughs> as drug use. Right, yeah. right. right. So I don't know. Like, I have a suspicion that maybe, like, the particular group that he used <laughs> as a counterpart for the example may have been, like, part of the. I just think of equestrianism and I think of, like, fox hunting in mm-hmm. Britain and, like, yeah. oh, man, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. loaded, really loaded. Yep. I also think my understanding is part of also what he is talking about is, I mean, not that in any way that this is at all say the same to uh, Ned's question about um, language and terminology for talking about um, uh, indigenous people uh, here in what's now known as the U.S. But right. like there is one piece of similarity, which is like the the distinction that's lost when you squish everything together. Yeah. When you talk about the experience of everybody who was, you know, on this land first, you really just erase so much difference in, you know, culture and language and experience and land and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. And I feel like that one little piece has a similarity here in Dr. Nutt's research too. Yeah. Of saying like when we talk about drugs this like and we just paint them all with a broad brush mm-hmm. we really miss that these these substances act on on bodies in different ways and they have different impacts and they have very different risks that are associated yeah. with them but instead we've created like ned said these like this dichotomous category of the safe drugs many of which are not safe right. and the unsafe drugs many of which are relatively safe yeah. and so <laughs> like like instead we should be talking like be specific like yeah. if you're talking about the dangers of of opioids mm-hmm. or or even heroin or fentanyl specifically talk about that yeah. because that is very 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 different even in what it does to the body from you know uh um hallucinogens or yeah. you know other categories right right yeah there's uh, even caffeine and marijuana affect the body in very different ways caffeine is one of my least favorite drugs (laughs) (laughs) right i I mean yeah i just can't i was i was at the diner a little while ago with damon and we sat down and he usually has coffee at breakfast if we go there and i don't and i was like actually i think i might have coffee and it was like somebody scratched a record and was like what and i was like i know and chris who's the guy who works he's the cook at the diner yeah um, he's like right there because this diner is just a countertop and then there's the cook and it's like 14 seats and no bathroom. I, is this I the place I diner? Yes, this is where you two went for breakfast yeah. when you were here for the Oh my, we couldn't go inside because, you know, yeah, right, COVID, COVID pandemic. But we had a lovely so, morning there. That was, a, I, that's, it's a great place. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So I was like, and Chris, I Complete think, with truck. Um, yeah. I don't know 100% what Chris's situation is, but it seems to me like Chris maybe doesn't drink or doesn't drink as much as he used to. 
and uh, I was like, I mean, in order I'm, to sur- survive in food service, that's kind that's of kind of you have to at some point you got to back off. It's hard to keep up. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, uh, we were and sitting live. at the counter, and I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna have a little coffee. And Chris kind of turned around and looked at me. I was like, this is how it starts, right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yep. Oh God. So I like uh, the yeah, thing. And is how I, did it end for you, Meg? Well, it ends like it always ends with me having like circular racing doom panic thoughts at 6 p.m. and breaking a flop sweat and then not knowing why until I remember, oh, I drank caffeine this morning. I'm not actually dying. What about the pooping earlier? I'm laughing. I feel like pooping earlier. I'm laughing because I I appreciate and understand exactly how you feel. Like that is my... I I actually... I would say that I really like caffeine in the sense that I know what it's going to do a hundred percent. Like it is a real razor sharp thing. Like, uh-huh. like if I'm going to have caffeine, I know what I'm in for. Like that yep. my experience with caffeine doesn't vary with day or like, you know, what's going on. It's like, if I have a cup of can, like if I have a cup of anxiety, like I'm having a cup of anxiety, let's do this. Yeah. Like yep. I need to get, get up <laughs> and an- anxious and like whatever the fuck is in front of me. I'm going to be get up and anxious. <laughs> yeah. And fast. yeah. There's a word for it. It's so, so I have when I come down off of caffeine, I get like super depressed, uh-huh. but I don't realize that's what's happening to me. I just have like I'll, I'll just sit there and ruminate on like my dead cat or something. Oh. And it's like, why am I thinking this? And then I remember, oh, it's a fucking caffeine. And it's called hyperactive depression. I did not know that. Yeah, wow. because it's like new. you're having like a, a bout of depression that happens at turbo speed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And I mean, and uh, well, uh, from my own learning about my own ADHD, Uh like I I think a lot of people don't always realize that one piece of like hyperactive is actually like has this element of like hyper focus. Yeah. Because we think of hyperactive when we just think of like kids running around. Right. No, 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 it actually can have this like hyper focus thing. Like where you're not blinking and you're staring into like, oh, like an unshaded light bulb, like that kind of intensity where you're just like, no, no, I just want to keep staring at it. Or you're like, no, no, I'm just going to keep working on this thing. But like, you really have to pee, you know? No, no, no. I'll just sit here and like pee myself because I'm just going to keep working on the thing I'm working on. And then you get a bladder infection because you haven't gone to the bathroom in six hours. (laughs) Or, and you haven't eaten in eight because you're just like so focused on getting mm-hmm. this thing done yes to the point of detriment yep. totally. uh, yeah. yeah and everything else yep so with the caffeine i'll just like hyper focus on really sad shit oh like like the last memory i have of my dead cat or mm-hmm. like i and it's like uh, normally i don't dwell on shit like this like right. it's all in there somewhere but sure. i don't think about it for like three hours at a go right you don't like get it out put it on the pedestal and run around in circles yeah. around it beating right. yourself over the head every time you look at it Yep. And that's where it'll go every time. Yeah. Like I'll have a low caffeine. And the thing is, it's like a slippery slope with me because I'm like, well, <clears throat> my whole thing is avoiding caffeine because it's like it, it's never good. And it tends to get worse the more of it I have. Mm-hmm. So I usually think like, well, it's an all or nothing thing. I should just entirely avoid it. But then if I do start with even just a little bit, I'm like, well, it's too late. I'm going to have that depression. So now. Might as I might as well just go for it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you know the next thing you know I've had uh-huh. like four fucking cups of and this coffee is or how you know or, caffeine is a drug. Right. And me and Ned are trying or me and uh Hank are trying to cross back over from fucking Los Algodones, Mexico and uh-huh. they're like what's wrong? And I'm like I drank like six cups of coffee and there's no bathroom in line for 3 hours to get back into America. Like uh, yeah, what do you think is wrong? Fucking pee asshole. I just had like a pot of Mexican coffee with pilancillo sugar in it. Mhm. 
just like I'm Sounds wired delicious, actually yeah. like insi- insanely wired and they're like oh where you know like flag this woman as like totally suspicious so they like toss all my shit and it's just like a breakfast sandwich leftover right. like I'm not but they had to toss back. it but they were like oh we gotta check it we gotta check it for like pills or yeah something. <laughs> and I'm just like pouring sweat and I'm like I'm not nervous I just have to pee right. and we're in Mexico where it's fucking hot like people sweating is not probable cause for you to give them shit at the US border and yet you know what's really funny too is after I had my wisdom teeth ripped out and had to stand in line to get back into America they didn't say shit right yeah they don't want to touch you but, like I was in like terrible shape and they were like oh just go through uh huh Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're not you're not going to be fun to harass right mm-hmm. so um back to dr nut this is so the thing that was really interesting uh in this um report that got him in trouble uh and was the fact that his view that illicit drugs should be classified according to actual evidence of the harm they cause and present he presented an analysis where he like talked about physical harm and dependence and social harms and revealed that by far alcohol and tobacco were way more harmful than LSD or weed or uh, like, or alcohol came behind um, just behind heroin, cocaine, barbiturates and methadone. Mm -hmm. And then tobacco ranked ninth ahead of cannabis, LSD and ecstasy. And in this classification, alcohol and tobacco paired as class B drugs and cannabis was placed at the top of class C. And Dr. Nutt also argued that taking cannabis created only a relatively small risk of psychotic illness and that the uh, quote obscenity, uh, the obscenity of hunting down low level cannabis users to protect them is beyond absurd. He objected to upgrading cannabis from a class C back to a class B drug and that uh, on the basis that that's on par with something like amphetamines, which have clear like health risks. Um, Right. And he considered that most of the way that things were known to be at that time were politically motivated rather than scientifically justified. And so um, in the pages of the Guardian newspaper, he a public disagreement between himself and another psychiatrist, Robin Murray, played out, and uh, it was like basically like cannabis panic about like oh cannabis triggers psychotic psychotic episodes in people, mm-hmm. um, and so like the list goes on and on and on. But uh, long story short, he has basically just steadfastly maintained like nope, here's what the numbers say. You can run the numbers yourself. Like this is the deal. These things are not we should if we actually give a shit about people and being healthy and society and healthy societies and people being or if safe, we care about the harm we say we do right if we're doing all these things saying it's because we want to reduce harm or and, we want to yeah. help people then what you're doing is neither of those things and if that's what you really want to do here's what you should be doing yeah and all those same people were like that's not what we want to do and it's like right. well then you must not really want right <laughs> to reduce harm or right. to help people Yep. Um, he uh, he talked about this is something that I found really interesting. He talked about trying to market a substance um, that could mimic some of the effects of alcohol, but avoid the negative health impacts. So a safer replacement, essentially. Um, he calls it Alcarel, but does not <laughs> disclose the actual chemicals and he also apparently was testing benzodiazepine derivatives um and 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it did never go to market, but I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Um, I mean, we we do we have done that with other substances. Yeah, yeah. I think the legalization of cannabis in so many states now is kind of. I'm I'm hopeful that <clears throat> that will give this kind of work more traction. Yeah, where we can start to have a better policy towards drug use. Um, yeah um, <clears throat> i i i'm hopeful too like i hope some shit just loosens up a little bit i'm really concerned about the direction that um the medicalization of psychedelics is taking like i'm not yeah. super excited about that but you know yeah i mean that's something that i i mean dr not does talk about that about the real yeah. therapeutic value of i i definitely think there's massive therapeutic value yeah mm-hmm. i imagine your your concern isn't about it being used therapeutically your concern is yep. about it being trapped inside of the medical right. system mm-hmm. yes or, the medical industrial or the, complex it being abused by the med- medical industrial complex um, yes which yeah and I'm I'm also concerned about a bunch of people who have no respect for the <clears throat> the like extremely dense cultural relationships with to, towards psychedelics. Like medicine doesn't give a shit about any of that stuff. Right. And their concern is over what an appropriate experience looks like and dictating that appropriate experience to appropriate people under appropriate circumstances. And that's largely going to be administered by people who accessed a job in healthcare by avoiding all of those scenarios personally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to have people who are telling other people in vulnerable states how they should be thinking and feeling with a substance that they've never used themselves that has like massive, massive, massive cultural support on the other end because people have been using these like psychedelic um, substances for thousands of years on every fucking continent on the planet. Like the only place that these that substances with psychedelic capabilities don't grow that we know of is antarctica everywhere else has some kind of a plant or a mushroom or something like that and people who have a long history of administering it and using it and guiding other people through it and i just feel like there's going to be this sort of like weird colonial empiricism around fucking psychedelics. And it really pisses me off because I think it's going to do a disservice to people who would otherwise benefit greatly from them. Mm-hmm. I, I think your fear is founded in, in the demonstrative history of the medical complex. Um, <laughs> right. I, I will say uh, that I have seen a glimmer of hope in that the vein of, of healthcare that I've seen most talked about using these substances in is one where I feel like providers uh, doctor treat thyself first treat, you know, mm-hmm. like, like there are many schools of, of therapy where you have to first do your own work. Your, your um, you know, graduate work is, yeah, doing your own therapy <laughs> before you can practice on others. That's cool. Um, you know, and I, I believe Dr. Nutt has talked about, it has acknowledged that he has done some of these substances. Yeah. <clears throat> and so like there is this vein of people doing work, particularly around psychedelics where the researchers are like, have taken 
these mm-hmm. drugs. Um, and if it's going to be used most um, for helping people with PTSD mm-hmm. and, you know, other issues um, related uh, to, I mean, I guess you could call it mental health, but I don't think that really accurately wraps it up because, yeah. you know, a lot of times it's, it's things related to trauma or, or other, you know, people who have been injured. Yeah. Not, not just like mental health can cover this whole range of things, but like people who have actually experienced um, an incidence, a harm, a, mm-hmm. a wounding, a trauma, you know, whatever. Um, and I feel like the the vein I'm thinking of like people like... Um, is it Bissell Vander Kolk? Uh, yeah. He's done a lot of work on uh, the body. The, the book I know of his that's most well known is The Body Keeps the Score. It's very good. I would highly recommend it to people. It's super good. It's super good. But but again, like that, I don't know what to call that vein of people who are doing work around trauma and yeah. healing these <clears throat> things. Like they really acknowledge the critical component of connection. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can have connection that's one-sided. Like by yeah. definition, you can't. Yeah. Which means in order for these people to do the work that they care so much about, they need to have a degree of being present, of being authentic, mm-hmm. of seeing their patients as fully valid humans. Mm-hmm. And those all seem like things that really are the antithesis of what sort of colonialism is, yeah. which is paternalism it comes from being above seeing yourself on a different level of you knowing better Mm -hmm. Um, and again like all those things you talked about dictating the experience of others yeah and so this vein of of care that i see most interested in using these drugs seems to have been trying to correct their fields horribly problematic history i mean (laughs) therapy like yeah psychology is not spared at all the horrors of of any of the rest of the medical fields past like Mm -hmm. how we got information about the body is just by and large horrific and at the expense of of people with less power yeah Uh, heavily oppressed peoples oh god the history of gynecology yeah i was just uh listening to lectures about that earlier today uh it's terrible. We that's we should do a whole episode about that. I mean, we, yeah, we like could a pick whole a thing. We could have a whole series of like the horrible histories of different schools the of medicine. Horrible histories of different schools of medicine, <laughs> dentistry. Oh. <laughs> dentistry is like Actually, I'm a barber, yeah. and I might also be able to pull your tooth out. <laughs> oh no, go even back. Like they found in the so in the prehistoric <laughs> record, a, like ancient dentistry prehistoric dentistry yeah 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 yeah. there's some really interesting oh my gosh trepanning we could do a whole episode about cutting holes in people's heads yep um so yeah i just i love dr nutt and uh i was really excited after you shared the the concept of dr nutt with me i just sort of went down an internet wormhole with dr nutt he's also like really exactly what you'd expect from like a you know old like a british grandpa who's just really into science yeah. like he he seems really grounded he gives good interviews yeah he knows his stuff for a scientist i think he's better than most at science communication yeah he's like really good at explaining things, things. To, in ways that many people both that are accurate like he's explaining mm-hmm. the mechanisms by which the psychedelic works on the brain but right. in a way that m- many many people that's far more approachable yeah. right right you know, without sacrificing any of the, I don't know, rigor, maybe you would say. Mm-hmm. I like how calm he is. Like, he's really calm and direct. And he's just like one of those people where it seems to be like he he understands where his authority on this subject yes. comes from. And so he's not like 
he's not pushy about it at all. Right. Yeah, it's a very great way confident, to put it. like very calmly confident. He's like, it's like, oh, well, I don't care if you think alcohol is less dangerous than You're this wrong. other thing. You're wrong. And here's the numbers. So mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> but then when you do bring up, and this is, I guess, another thing that gives me <clears throat> hope is like, I've also heard him talk about these kind of spiritual elements mm. of psychedelics. And mm-hmm. he does acknowledge, he's like, this is not my area of expertise, but there is long, long histories of humans around the world using yeah. substances that act on these, you know, uh, these parts of the brain, these uh, um, structures in the brain, and 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 we see time and time again them having the same results. Yeah. And so more study is needed. Like I acknowledge that this is a a, a well documented thing, but like I haven't studied it, I can't speak to it. But I'm not going to say it doesn't exist because mm-hmm. there is this body <clears throat> of evidence. Yeah. And so him sort of saying we in science don't have good ways. In fact, in fact, I think that initial interview i shared with you he says something like we in science don't have good ways of talking about what spirituality even is we can't quantify it yeah and yet there is this element of it that shows up people talking about feeling you know at one Mm -hmm. with system with with people with systems with structures beyond themselves like and that seems to have therapeutic benefit for people. Mm-hmm. You know, people seem to come out of that yeah. having a decrease of the troubling or, or bothersome or harmful or hurtful um, symptoms or conditions that they went into it with. Yeah. And so, you know, that also gives me hope that like there are people who can be scientifically minded, but still treat this other stuff with respect yeah. rather than again, that kind of paternalistic of like, wow, you can't show me the study it doesn't exist which is Mm -hmm. kind of how america treats marijuana so to ned's point of like Mm -hmm. hoping that with greater legalization we can have more informed drug policy i'm more depressed about that because i see this here in the u.s this real clinging to this like wow if you don't have a flag you're not really real like if you don't have a study then it doesn't really count it's like well we can't do studies on this because there's only one place in the whole country where you can even get where scientific studies can even get cannabis right yeah like so how are we supposed to even do studies like and then you have all these rules around selling and using you know various Mm -hmm. class you know class ranking of drugs we have in this country and so my understanding is that here in the u.s it's it's Van, it's not exactly impos- impossible, but the odds are vanishingly tiny of being able actually to get and line up what you need to do cannabis studies. And so then it's like, well, we can't have any policy because we don't have any studies. And it's like, well, yeah, like it, the people who actually get their hands on things to be able to 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 do any kind of like clinical trials and stuff is like very small. I was reading about Alexander Shulgin um, when he was working for like chemical companies and then ended up working for the feds essentially and like doing all of this research and like the DEA was on board with all of it up to a certain point and then they turned on him and raided him. You're right. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> In like 1994, I, I think. I heard that. Yeah. And he came up with just like, he and his wife Anne are like incredible pioneers in the field of psychedelic research and chemistry and just like did such amazing work and so much of it is obscured from like research and stuff because they were dealing with chemicals that um like <clears throat> are really esoteric and also are similar to other things that are already banned and like have been deemed to have no uh legitimate use whatsoever and right. so trying to walk that back to get to the point where you could mm-hmm. legally that's create and access that stuff is like 
a huge impediment. I think this is like that that kind of interaction where it's like you're doing something and it's fine and then it's not okay and then you're punished for mm-hmm. it after the yeah. fact. Mm-hmm. Like that is exactly the argument against allow like that argument where people are like well if you have nothing to hide why do you care if people are spying on you and it's like yep (laughs) i don't i'm not doing anything illegal right now but like even this podcast it's like i'm always thinking about like you know is this am i about to say something that in 10 years is going to be a problem and you know in some ways i'm like well that is the risk right but for a lot of people it's like they don't want that it's like they i don't want my you know, my day-to-day activities recorded and what I'm doing and thinking and saying, because like I, you know, if the law changes, I want to be able to show up and be a law abiding by a law abiding citizen still. Right. And not have to deal with the repercussions of like, Oh, well now like people talk about, it's like, Oh, well you can't be punished for you. You know, it was legal back then, but it's like, and eh, no, like it's not, it's not about the law. It's about yeah. like public perception. Like, let's right. be honest. Like, we live in a country where it's like popularity, like, you know, there's the, whatever's the popular thing is going to be, people are going to be punished for it if they're not doing the thing that they like should be doing. Well, right. And this is the whole thing. Like, have we learned nothing from the fucking Nazis? Right. Like yes. first they come for somebody and then they come for somebody else and then they come for you. Right. Like if you don't say something when they start coming for the first group of people, it's only a matter of time before they decide everybody yes, but them exactly. is what they want to get rid of. Like right. this is like really That's the ideology. This is like you don't have to think very far down this road to see how it falls apart right. extremely quickly. Like Jesus. So there's uh like they Alexander Shulgin did an amazing work and like his his whole thing was like his research was so so financially valuable to the companies that he worked for that they were willing to throw their weight and support behind him and shield him as long as he kept making them rich. Right. And that's the other thing too, right? It's like, there's not, I, anyway, yeah. Like this idea of loyalties and all of that, like it's, it's real, you know, like it's a reason people like like game of Thrones because they know that it's all just mm, a fucking shit mm, show. Right. Mm. Um, yeah. So I was reading about him the other day and, and like, substituted tryptamines and how they work on your like five HT receptors and your serotonin receptors, but how like there's a lot of serotonin receptors in your heart muscle. And so if you take a lot of substituted tryptamines, like <clears throat> Fenfen, yeah. the like diet pill from the eighties or nineties or whatever, oh, yeah. it was oh, yeah. a substituted tryptamine and it made people lose weight, but it also gave them heart valve disease because it blows out your serotonin receptors. And there's a ton of those on your heart valves. Right, which you need in order to, yeah. Live. Right. <laughs> yep. In order to, like, respirate. Right. Um, and so, like, a bunch of people needed heart valve replacements after taking this substituted tryptamine. It didn't get you high. It was just a drug that helped you suppressed lose weight. Your, yeah, suppressed your yep. appetite. And it's super interesting to me. Like, there's all of these compounds out there that could be super helpful to people um, for very different very like very different things like a chemical with a little doohickey off the right side that you get rid of like suddenly becomes a completely different chemical that does something completely different inside of your body mm-hmm. and you know on on one hand you've got like a you've just got like a tryptamine like tryptophan and then on the other hand it's got a little like molecular doohickey off of one side and you're like tripping balls right you know it's yeah. like fascinating yeah. mm-hmm. um and there's just so much of it out there and there are so many chemicals that could be helpful to people and it man our understanding of like all this stuff is just so reductive there's another professor carl hart uh, yeah 
Carl Hart, right? That's his first name, Carl, Professor Carl Hart. He's, Hart and Nut. Nut Hart. Uh, nut Hart. Um, he's really cool. He does all kinds of like drug research um, and has like just recently been like, you know, I, I'm interested in this stuff because I like am interested in drug use and addiction and and abuse and things like that because I take drugs and right. people are like what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or um, Pollen who did the oh yeah yeah, yeah. Michael Pollan Michael Pollan and who was journalist like, yeah 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 was willing to be like yeah I was really curious about this stuff and I went and took drugs and like you know all of his uh, interviews for his book on psychedelics everyone's mm-hmm. like uh, are you sure you want to admit that and he's like yeah why is it a problem that I say that I did this like right. You know, let's explore why See, everyone is, thinks less of me. I don't think he said this exactly, but yeah. he kind of was saying, like, let's all explore why you all now think less of me, a respected, award-winning journalist, now that you know that I took drugs. Right. In order to write an informed piece of research. About a thing that's like a <laughs> universal well, I mean, experience. as someone who yeah. grew up in the 80s, like I, I already know the answer to that. Like it was an, it was beat oh. into us that drugs are bad. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Drugs are bad. Okay. And that's why okay. it's like, you know. Well, it's probably that rock music you were listening to that, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, got you yeah. into drugs in the first yes. place. Oh my yeah. God. Speaking also. of which, the rock music, it, this isn't. <laughs> This isn't specifically about rock music. It's about rap music and it's about two live crew uh-huh. and about how my mom was like, drugs are going to kill you if you ever use them. And two live crew is terrible and they're like evil and terrible and bad. And I just listened to them because I watched when I had shingles and yes. was laid up. I watched like basically all of the history of hip hop. Nice. Oh, yeah. From like start to finish. And there was like the part of the like sort of historical period where they were talking about two live crew. I hadn't ever heard any of their mm. like albums or anything. I just remember how upset my mom was about that. And I'm like, <laughs> Where in your life have you ever fucking encountered two live crew? Like yes. you're just offended on behalf of other people at this point. Right. You did, you've never even heard them. So I listened to them yeah. like a few weeks ago in my kitchen when I was watching this and they're fucking hilarious. Yes, yeah. Really fun. Like, were they part of the same funny? Were they part of the same congressional hearing that Twisted Sister? I was oh, at that was I forgot about I don't that. Remember. That was so cuz yeah. was it the lead singer of Twisted Sister who had like D. Snyder, really, yeah. yeah, D. Snyder had like a fantastic. He's sharp. He's sharp. Like what he says at that hearing is just so good. Yeah, I bet it may. And I thought there was a hip hop yeah, artist D. that D. was Snyder. also. Yeah, D. Yeah. D. Snyder. Um, yeah, like so. The offshoot. There the you parent, go. The, the Parents Music Resource Center. PMRC. Yes. What was uh, who else was? Wasn't there another musician? Uh, they they uh, hated was, Two Live Crew. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I'm looking to see because um, there was like Two Live Crew like made jokes about like sucking dick and stuff, uh-huh. and it, some of them are very funny. Like they had I the don't Filthy how... Fifteen, just so we can go down the Filthy Fifteen oh, really quick. Do it. You know yes. who's at the top? Hmm. Uh, some of our favorite person, our favorite person. Just guess. Bill Hicks. Prince. Yes. Yeah. So Prince topped that list oh. among other lists that he was the top of, and and I love so this this just uh, for like the way he makes everyone want to uh, fuck. Yep. Yes. Um. For sure. Uh. If you're if you're still <laughs> listening to us, I recommend <laughs> looking at the Parents Music Resource Center article on Wikipedia because it has a nice table that breaks it down with the artist, the song title, Break and the down. lyrical content. <laughs> And so um, Prince was on the list for number one for Darling Nikki because it contains lyrical content about sex and ma- sex slash masturbation. 
Bayesian. Yeah. Anyway, uh, to keep it short, it goes uh, Prince uh, Sheena. Was turned now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sheena Easton. <laughs> Judah Priest. Judas. Uh-huh. Judah. Judas Priest. Uh, yep. Vanity. Motley Crue. ACDC for let me put my love into you. Um, oh no. Twisted Sister for we're not going to take it. Take it. Um, and I love that that the lyrical content was violence, which is in, but then in parentheses it says misinterpreted. Oh, weird. Um, uh, then Madonna for dress you up, Wasp for animal fuck like a beast, uh, Def Leppard high and dry <laughs> Saturday night, uh, merciful, merciful fate for into the coven. Uh, Black Sabbath for Trashed, uh, Mary Jane Girls for In My House, Venom for Possessed, and Cindy Lauper for Shebop. Fucking Cindy Lauper. Shebop. Yeah. You can't. Oh, wow. She's so good. I love that this is just like, I've never even heard of most of these songs. I know. I know. Yeah. Um, I, and I stand corrected. Those are all like white people. I have a feeling that this group no, of no, people. No, I'm sorry. They're not all. Only I'm sorry. ever yeah. heard 15 songs and put them all in this list. <laughs> like, this is such a weird list. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, be, right behind Prince was Sheena Easton? Yeah. So, Prince for Darling Nikki, Sheena Easton for Sugar Walls, um, Judas Sugar Priest Walls. for Eat Me Alive, Vanity. For Strap On, Robbie Baby, uh, and Motley Crue nice. for Bastard. And then I, I mentioned previously, yeah. like ACDC, yeah. let me put put my love into you, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Interesting. Just ridiculous. Because, um, I mean, like, there's, like, a bunch of fucking songs about fucking underage girls. Like, Warrant and Aerosmith both wrote songs oh, and God. sang them about, yes. like, having sex with underage girls. Yeah. Just, oh, God. See, that just shows you what people are willing to, like, judge or not judge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, those groupie girls were lucky. They were lucky. I love this quote. Yes, I love this quote from Frank Zappa. So uh, uh, let me see if I can put it in context. So it's talking about. Um, so during his statement, musician and producer Frank Zappa asserted that the PMRC proposal is an ill-conceived piece of nonsense which fails to deliver any real benefit to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the pro- proposal's design. Um, <laughs> He later it later says uh, Zappa had earlier stated about the sentence agreement to hold a hearing on the matter that that quote a couple of blowjobs here and there and bingo you got a hearing. (laughs) (laughs) It is the blowjobs. It's all about the blowjobs. The the blowjob is the thing that's like over the line. Yes, Yes. Female masturbation. Yeah. Yeah. You can talk about adult men fucking like 15 year old girls. But you cannot talk about women giving blowjobs. You can't do it. Nope. Because, like, I have a feeling, because all of these people who get in trouble about it are, like, dudes talking about blowjobs, right? And the only people who I think are offended by this are, like, like white women who buy into the purity myth? I mean... I guess, yeah. I, I don't know what their philosophy is. I don't know. Yeah, like, who, I don't know. Like, who's upset about that? Who's more upset about blowjobs than like I sex like abuse. somehow who don't want to give them? Uh, speaking of um right. what's the what's the sort of like deviant sex term that's less loaded that we we're talking about earlier like if you paraphilia. paraphilia paraphilia I 
I also imagine like white men who want blowjobs to be like to remain like really dirty so that they can get off on them. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, re- like they want it to remain that sort of sinful taboo, taboo, yeah, because yeah. they yeah, can't get yeah, off or... on it if the woman wants to do it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, or if it's above board. If, if it's yeah, above if it's board, above board. I, I'm yeah. not interested. Well, I'm pretty sure all blowjobs are below the. Oh, you're talking about the board, <laughs> not the belt. Sorry. Um, ha ha. Uh, so this is actually kind of relevant to our podcast in general because when Meg, when you and I first proposed this uh, idea so many years ago, um, yeah, we one of the things we had to do was determine whether or not we were going to add the parental advisory warning. Right, we oh. were like, hmm. and so we thought long and hard about this two seconds, and we decided <laughs> um, immediately that uh, that we should just put it on all of our podcasts because yeah. it was safer. It was just. There was to be like, no don't. chance that we were ever going to release a podcast <laughs> that didn't have the word fuck or shit or poop or, or ass or pussy, pussy or, or, or like blowjob. Yeah, or just any of the like right <laughs> drugs, 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 drugs or violence. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is funny because, like, for the most part, I would say most of our podcasts are pretty like they're they're generally not a like hardcore adult themed like we're gonna talk no. about hardcore porn today penetration <laughs> penetration penetration uh, <laughs> i will describe the penetration in right. detail <laughs> i i'm imagining like you know like the the audio for for people who are visually impaired of regular films that just right. describes what's happening so and i'm just imagining that for, for you, adult films did you not know that's a thing that's a whole category Really? Uh, described sure porn yeah 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 for oh, no yeah way. like you can yeah i mean it's not i mean i'm not i'm not i don't disbelieve you i at would all. never I'm, i've well, never looked no at it myself obviously because that well now i have to <laughs> i have to for both because of porn is filthy uh, just a friend of mine human. told me one time a in grade school on the playground jimmy behind the lot at my locker told me oh man that's the thing whenever parents are like i'm offended that you're even talking about sex with my middle schooler it's like you you know that like the data shows that the average age that a young person sees porn average and we all know what that number means yes average age is eleven so no the one young younger than eleven porn. ever and maybe That's occasionally right. nobody, older nobody right. under fifty oh, gets shingles and yeah. nobody, nobody under eleven ever sees porn <laughs> right right yeah but like meanwhile people are like I can't believe you talked to my sixth or seventh or eighth grader uh-huh. about sexual images and advertising you're like and it's like uh your eighth grader's been taking it up the ass so she can still claim to be a virgin because you guys are religious just to let you know right <laughs> <laughs> like that's what's happening and this is oh why and lauren in case you're wondering this is why we put ex- explicit lyrics on <laughs> every warning. you never know when it's going to come up you never know it's like constant. Never know. yeah yeah, I feel like this I mean, this might segue actually really well into our ending segment since yeah. since the um, our research team is on vacation right now and so we don't have colors of the day. They've uh, been held hostage. They've been held hostage. Yeah, uh, by Omicron. Yeah, by Omicron. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I hear the word Omicron, I just think of Transformers. Oh yes. yeah, I, it's like COVID transformed. Yeah, so now so it turned into an adorable like a Volkswagen Beetle yeah. and drove around, and then then it and now we're all. It's just the kind of name mercy. like they had like Optimus Prime, and I'm trying to think of um they had a 
their home planet. I can't remember what the home planet was. Oh, um, well, it's where the the uh, oh now I can't remember the the Decepticons and the Autobots. Cybertron. Yeah, Cybertron. Yeah, is the name of their home planet. Yeah, I for some I love weird cookie cutters, mm-hmm. and I used to be involved within the industry where one buys and sells things f- for home kitchens. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I I love weird cookie cutters and, and have a few. And we had a semi cookie cutter. And in my mind, it's the Optimus. Nice. Uh, nice. Optimus nice. Prime cookie cutter. <laughs> I like that. Because why else would you get a semi cookie cutter? Right. <laughs> Who else wants a 16 wheeler? I mean, I guess maybe if you're. Have you driver, have but. you ever been to the truck stop? The Petro truck stop in Baraboo, Wisconsin? Mm, yes. The one with the, the truck, truck for the sign in the chapel. Oh. Have you been in their chapel? I have not. They have a chapel yeah. and they have a painting on the wall in the chapel. And it's a picture of a semi truck driving through some clouds that are parting and God's hands guiding it through and like rays of light beaming out from No way. It. Charming. I'd love that. I have a photograph of it. Amazing. Or you should just come visit and we'll take you to House on the Rock. And yes, we'll, we'll take yeah. you to House on the Rock and we'll get yeah. to the Petro's place on the way by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's and the, the Circus works. Museum if we want to really freak ourselves out. <sighs> circus Museum. Circus okay. Museum. Never been there. Yeah. We can do I love circuses. Things. Yeah. I keep adding more circus things. I have so much art to put upstairs that's like circus prints. Like, uh-huh. oh gosh, old like photographs of performers and all sorts of strange things. Yeah, yeah. Fun. So what's our what's our ending segment? Oh yeah, so Lauren um, Lauren made a thing, and and we thought we could maybe yeah. if you still want to talk about it, we don't have sure. To. Yeah, uh, I mean it is a visual thing, so I, I mean you know I, I am trying to imagine it uh, on the on the on the audios on the gotcha <laughs> yeah right w- things that are akin to radio, but of course not actually radio right um, sound waves on the sound waves on the sound so, waves yes <laughs> the the um, the noises out of our mouths and into your ear holes. Right. Yes, uh, mouth noises. Mouth noises. Oh God. <laughs> mouth noises. Yeah, I was. I, I all of work has gone uh, uh, distanced again, and oh, no. so have, having to communicate with my coworkers and as well as the the young people that I I teach about sexuality topics. Uh, and so I had a coworker. I was saying, I don't want to write about this. <laughs> I want to talk about this. So, but I want you to like with words but like typing is words and so i was like how do i say like with my mouth words my mouth mouth noises it would be easier if i communicate with my mouth noises can we find a time where you could listen to my mouth noises rather than me having to type out my keyboard words keyboard words are hard I just like forget to fucking how to talk to people anymore like i don't know so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Related to this, um, uh, uh, we were uh, we had to do some quick shifting uh, for uh, curriculum we were in the middle of, and and there's a number of factors uh, that were really limiting things and 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 how we were working and timeframes and whatnot. And so we, I created uh, something that I'm I'm quite proud of. It is a random pairing generator for body parts and body fluids i love this this. so great this is so great do you have it uh, in front of you there uh i will pull it up oh no because we didn't get it because uh i just have the pdf oh maybe you did i haven't been paying attention ah yes yes you did okay so uh it it does it is sized such that it probably is easier to see on on a screen than on my phone um 
But uh, with the mere click of a button, I can generate a pairing. Uh, so our first random pairing is semen, S-E-M-E-N. This would be the fluid that comes out of a penis yes. uh, upon orgasm. Many people know it as cum. And then that is paired with penis. <laughs> I feel like I should oh, be lucky. super. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And this is random. I swear. Yeah, yeah. Random. So, so, um, so in, in, uh, in an educational setting, I would then ask you, uh, class, is that a pairing that carries a risk of HIV transmission? So one assumes that it's not back onto the, your own penis. Like, I mean, I like, I'm assuming we're talking about like from one participant's penis to another participant's penis. Like somebody else's. Well, body to part. be clear, we're not talking about anyone specific because we are. No, no, I just mean work. the risks. <laughs> like, like this I would, isn't porn education. If I if this I is if I ejaculate onto my own penis, like I'm not c- gonna raise my own risk for exposure to fluids. But maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't. Well, I don't know how it works. That's so like I couldn't. The sexual I can't equivalent this. of like throwing a peanut in the air and catching it in your mouth. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm not understanding, but I don't think so. The point of the activity, <laughs> I don't think no. so. No, no, Meg, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Move on. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. Like- so, the, what we're asking is, is there a risk of transmission? Yes. So in order for there to be HIV transmission. Well, there has to be more than one person. Right. And that's right. why. Exactly. Yeah. So you, and you need to have the, the, the virus present in one person. Now, yeah. I don't know about the particulars of this scenario, but there could be a stockpile and only one person stockpile a stockpile of penises or semen semen oh yes. okay that could just end up on somebody else's penis well so the, in order for there to be a transmission the implication is that either the fluid or the body part comes or really in- we'll say we'll say the fluid carries the virus yes right? and then we have this body part and if the fluid with the virus were to come in contact with this body part would there be a risk of transmission to the owner of said body part. I'm actually a little embarrassed to say, I don't know that I know the answer to this. I don't know if semen, if semen is a, is a carrier of HIV. Oh yeah. I mean, I've always, always known like it's a risk. I just don't know like where it falls in the pantheon of like blood versus like, like saliva or way up, way up. Oh, so So, semen's high up there. Yeah. So, and actually, there's a lot of misinformation about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, this is actually an activity that I don't have sex after, myself. So this is right. So this is all purely academic. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, all the young people I teach don't have sex either because they're obviously. Teenagers, so yeah. why would they have sex? Yeah. Uh, well, because I'm not married, so you know I, I'm not having those sex. Things. Right. Right. And none of the high schoolers right. I teach right. are married, so they are, of course are not having sex. Yeah. But this is so that they can more accurately judge other people yeah is why we teach this yeah. that is not true listener <laughs> i'm joking i want to be very clear uh, <laughs> sizing you up so uh so many of them get get this wrong struggle with this even after uh explicit instruction yes. and pretty much every time i do like a jeopardy trivia game with adults yes i would say at least half adults get half 50 percent of adults get are confused about this topic as well wow. yeah. so the five fluids that um carry a risk or carry hiv or so you would need to have one of the five fluids to have a risk of transmission yes um are blood yep breast milk semen yep vaginal fluid and rectal fluid okay good to know and so essentially if you don't have one of those five fluids yeah 
you don't have a risk of HIV transmission. Oh. Hmm. So saliva is not one of those. Correct. Interesting. Right. It's a very common misconception. Yeah. Um, and that's why there was like advertisements about like, you can't get HIV by sharing a cup with somebody. Right, or something. right, right. Um, and now what can be, I do understand, can be a little confusing is then you do need, so once you have one of those fluids yeah. that, uh, that carry HIV, then you need to have a way for that fluid to get into the body. Right. right. And the, Pardon me. The two real ways that that can happen are through, you know, essentially a break in the skin. Mm -hmm. So a cut, you know, again, that's why a needle would would carry a risk. Right. Um, and so like some sort of damage or cut uh, abrasion to the skin. Right. Or through mucous membranes, because right. mucous membranes are a special kind of skin, essentially, that lets stuff pass through it. Right. So it is true that the mouth is full of mucous membranes. Yes. So the mouth would be a transmission Receiver. right a transmission risk for something to get into the body right. mm -hmm. but saliva is not one of the fluids so gotcha. i can see a, a, a point of confusion there sure. for right. people yeah. now the nuance and interesting things that is hard to cover when you are in a classroom and talking broadly and trying to go quickly and and work with uh curriculum that's been written and this a while ago is that there's really actually interesting research to say that actually the mouth is a extremely low risk of all the mucous membranes in the body. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. uh, which we also have in our eyes, very low risk for HIV, but, uh, and then the other big place is genitals. Mm -hmm. Um, so there are mucous membranes. Many people don't realize, but on the head of the penis. And then of course the vulva, the exterior part of the body of somebody with a vagina, as well as the entire vagina, which does present a rather large amount of surface area mm -hmm. as it were with mucous membranes. So there is, you could argue that there is a little larger risk there just because of the, the sheer area. Right. But there is really interesting risk uh, research saying, suggesting that, um, uh, one, HIV doesn't live outside of the body very long. Mm -hmm. And two, the environment specifically within the mouth, uh, because of the enzymes in saliva, uh -huh. is very inhospitable to HIV. Mm. That makes sense. So even though, like, if we're going to simplify it, we say you got to have a five fluids and then you got to have a way into the body, um, mouth, I would really say, is not actually that high gotcha. of a risk. So. So in theory, I mean, we don't know where the semen went on the penis, but we're basically saying that um, if the semen... That's why I say risk. I'm not guaranteeing anything. It, right. Just would this pairing but carry yes, a risk? But yes, it does carry a risk. It does. The answer it is does. yes. So then we could have blood and anus. Oh. Uh, that's, that would be a problem. That would be the risky. Anus, the anus... Yes, that's a risk. Yeah. Yes. I, I did say mucous membranes on our genitals, and I did not specifically name the anus... But uh, the anus, 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 anus. Yes. the anus also has mucous membranes. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Meg is correct. Uh, sweat and anus. Again, these are random. So Just pushing the button. No, because sweat's not one of the. Correct. No. Oh, so you but... can. So I can go back to letting all those men sweat on my anus anytime I want. No risk. Low risk. Yeah. No risk. Yeah. Low risk. Good to know. I don't Good know why know. that image is so funny to me. Well, that's what makes this it's, exercise really funny is the pairings. Because we yeah. haven't even gotten to urine and ear. That's a classic. <laughs> I love that you made this, uh, Lauren. I'm really, I'm very impressed. Um, having 
I, I also appreciate really that you shared it with us and that we could look at it. And I think you did a very good job. Um, and, I just and I, I, this is visual, so I don't know how I can explain it to other people at home. But there's something to be said for this really satisfying mechanism of just hitting a click yep. and getting these, like, you know, 70 point font yeah. words. And yeah. then you hit a click and they disappear. And yeah. then you just, so you can do it very rapidly, like just almost mindlessly, like click, 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 click. And you just get a different pairing every time. Yeah, it's really <laughs> something great. Something about that that's very satisfying. It's so good. It's excellent. Um, yeah, it's so fun. Um, yeah, it's just really, really pleasing. Um, I, uh, I, how do I we wish- turn this into an app that you can like sell the educators for a oh, dollar? Yeah, I'd support um, this. Yeah. we can make that happen. Um, okay, I think we do it like our normal workflow process. Like we start a document like we normally do, and then we just assign tasks and we work through it. Like it's almost already there. Like there's some research we need to do, and then. Um, we could just post it for free. It could just be a free educator app. Okay. And you that, could like. Actually, I know a bunch of educators that would really like this, and I've been trying to think of the best way to share it with oh, them. Oh, well, yeah, hello. I'll help you make that happen. Project. Okay. Yeah. This is okay. exciting. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah. What else? Are, is that. I think that's it. I mean, we have, we have exhausted. We've gone over There's time no by 15 minutes. There's no hexadecimal codes for no hexadecimal codes for body fluids. No. Yeah. Oh, and my <laughs> Mac is my Mac's about to shut down if I don't plug it into power. So I guess that's right. that. Okay. Well. Well, thank you so much, uh, everybody, for listening. If you made it yeah. this far, um, we would love to hear from you. You can contact our executive assistant Dana. That's D A N A at fcbm.io. If you email her, uh, she'll get your questions to the right person. If you have comments or thoughts about the show, you just want to reach out to us. Um, we know there's like a pretty regular listener body of about 200 people, and we hear from some of you from time to time, and we love that. Um, it's great. It is really yeah, great. Thank um, you. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, that's really it. You can go to our website, fcbm.io, to find more detailed contact information um, or find out some of our shows. We try to update it, but we're, we're working on that. We're going to get back into it. Anyway. I think that's it. I think that's like the whole plug. So that's yeah. the whole deal. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.